a check. I got the message on me, get no flexing on me. My attorney gon' call and collect. Blessings on blessings for me. My success is only made of Well, hello, everybody. How are you doing? How's it going? Hope everything is going well in your life. And if it's not, I hope it gets better. We're uh, entering the holiday season. Things get a little wild, a little crazy. This is Simon for the Closed Network Privacy Podcast, episode 21, recorded today, Tuesday, November 8th, 2022, which happens to be the same day as the midterm elections here in the United States. So it's a wild time right now. <laughs> a lot of people are losing their losing their stuff. Um, and... Uh, it, it's cyclical. It, it comes and goes. It comes in waves, and you know, it's it's just something. This is something that we do. It's something we we do, and uh, yeah, it's also an interesting time this last couple of weeks with Twitter. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on around Twitter. A lot of people that have a lot of uh, uh, feelings. <laughs> emotions, thoughts, point of views. And I have just been observing. I really haven't um, taken a position necessarily on the whole Elon Musk acquisition. I think there's pros. I think there's cons. I do find it interesting to see people losing their minds over uh, the verif- their verified accounts. They're going to charge $8 and people losing it over that. It's kind of like, well... They are business. They can do whatever they want. Uh, they're a for-profit company. <laughs> and I think people lose sight sometimes that these social media platforms exist to, one, you know, uh, be innovative and create something and try to build something, you know, from the early days. And it turns into something once it becomes a publicly traded company that is more focused on the business end and not the social experience side. Granted, the social experience side has to be good enough for people to want to continue using it, but that that you know that's part of one of their goals. Primary objective is to make money. Oftentimes, especially with startups, it's to scale, make it big, make it big, lose money, lose money, lose money, and sell it for some crazy valuation, which is pretty much what it seems to happen with uh, with Twitter. I think what forty four billion dollars or something. Um, is it really worth that? I don't think so, but maybe long-term potential, it has that value proposition to it. And I think that's probably what they're trying to figure out now. Cut a bunch of headcount, cut your costs down, start charging for things like verified accounts, which I can't see that being a big moneymaker, especially $8 a month for what, 400,000 verified accounts. Yeah, I don't know, maybe, but I do kind of wonder if they're not also propping up a model for verified accounts down the road to be KYC'd, similar to like what Facebook has kind of done in a roundabout way, where if you've ever known or yourself have had an account, you got locked out, you had to prove that it's you by doing what? Sending in government-issued identification, which... I don't personally, I would never want to send any government issued ID to a social media company, but in effect, that's kind of like doing a KYC process, like a bank account uh, or a exchange, a financial exchange. If you buy crypto from like Coinbase or Gemini or some of these, you know, big exchanges, they have to do a KYC on you. 
in order to conduct business. So social media platforms are now moving that direction? Possibly. I don't know. I think that's very likely that that could be part of the plan for Twitter. And I think that maybe doing the $8 charge in the beginning could be part of a strategy to weed out people. (laughs) I I don't know. Um, But on the topic of Twitter, I've noticed a lot of people jumping to Mastodon. And I've mentioned Mastodon in the past. Uh, And we are actually, we collectively, the closed network community, uh, privacy podcast listeners, contributors, matrix chat people, We've been kicking the idea around, and I, I've decided that we're, we will set up our own Mastodon server, and it will be federated, which means we'll be able to talk to other people on federated Mastodon instances. You'll be able to interact with them, follow, and interact. Uh, I want to do, do it in a way that can kind of scale if it needs to. And so I've set up a couple instances, and I've kind of restarted how I want to do the configuration, what kind of external storage I want to use, and that kind of thing. So we're kind of in a testing phase. Um, I've been getting some good input from Unintelligent7 and Mattis Max, who are moderators on our Matrix chat channels. Uh, we have two, by the way. One is the main channel, and we also have an off-topic channel. So I'll have links to those. You'll also be able to access those from closednetwork.io. The easiest way is to download uh, or set up an account it with Element, element.io. Once you have an account, you can just go to closednetwork.io and click join the Matrix server. It should automatically take you right in. Uh, You can also download apps to your favorite uh, device, iOS, Android, uh, whatever you like, uh, or your computer. Uh, But it's been a great way to interact with each other, share information and ideas. It does get a little geeky in there from time to time. So if you're not super into the technical stuff, it may not be your, your jam, and I think that's maybe something where Mastodon could be more fun, where we could follow each other, share memes, share ideas, like it, you know, interact. You can DM each other. And it's not a it's not a stream of consciousness like the Matrix chat is. The Matrix chat is like a just a stream, right? Whatever's happening right now is what you're seeing. So you have to scroll back in the past to read uh, messages. Uh, some people like that. Some people don't. And they feel like they don't know where to start reading from. So Mastodon, I think, is a good fit. And I think that a lot of people are jumping ship and moving to Mastodon because they're afraid of what Twitter might become or they're fed up or they don't like Elon or whatever. And that's great. I think that everyone should have the freedom to do whatever they want to do. Um, I'm not deleting my Twitter account. I'm not super active on there. I generally uh, follow people. I'm within a pretty small community of you know privacy advocates, journalists, other media creators, content creators. And I, I just kind of use it as another channel to, to find information to share uh, on, on the podcast or, or, or uh, redistribute on, on my own Twitter account. So, so I just kind of want to talk. This is kind of be a little bit of a, of a brain dump in a sense because uh, I was out of the country. Um, I kind of decided to take a job at the last minute and I'll talk about that in a second. So I was out of the country for a week, and then I had some work to do from that job. And I'm getting cut back up and coming back up for air. So I wanted to get this podcast out because I'm actually leaving on another trip tomorrow, and I'll be traveling for another week. Uh, so I also, during this trip, though, I plan on doing another podcast in two days' time from now. 
which should be posted maybe Friday or Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing someone as long as uh, weather permits and everything holds out to be interviewing someone that uh, you might be familiar with a YouTube personality. And I got some other stuff in the, in the pipeline as well. So that way we can kind of cascade these podcasts out over the next couple of weeks and have some content going into uh, Thanksgiving. For those that are in the United States, we have Thanksgiving. <laughs> we eat a lot of turkey and mashed potatoes, and stuffing, gravy, cranberry sauce, things of that nature. So uh, probably be taking a little bit of a break just for uh, for that, uh, having family come to town. So uh, I did go out of the country last week. I was down in Jalisco, Mexico, Guadalajara, and I was uh, working with a security outfit down there for five or six days and I uh, had a good time. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a great time. Interesting, interesting culture. Uh, interesting having armed security with you, <laughs> uh, from literally from the, from the airport to the hotel, to the places where we were going to work. And yeah, not, not used to that really here in the U S we're pretty laid back. Right. But down there, things are a little, uh, a little sketchy. There's a lot of cartel activity and other criminal elements down there. And you kind of have your guard up, which is, uh, not something at a, at a, at a heightened awareness that, that I wouldn't normally have it. So, uh, I was actually interacting with some of our mods on the matrix server talking about my the equipment that I brought and how did I carry it? And I use Faraday bags and things of that nature. And, um, I did bring some phones with me. Of course, I'm always kind of teching out, nerding out a little bit. And I was curious to see if Invisive PGPP would work down there. Uh, and also silent link on my graphene OS pixels. Um, they did not, I didn't expect them to, but I didn't know if they would or not. And I think it's just part of like the roaming agreements. So I, I think Invisive PGPP, I think Invisive uses AT&T, I think is the, I could be wrong for their data backbone. Uh, I may be incorrect in that. I may be actually confusing that with Silent Link. I think Silent Link maybe uses AT&T. Uh, either which way, neither of them worked down there, but I didn't really expect them to. So I did use them on Wi-Fi, of course, but uh, the hotel... I was staying at um, had had decent enough Wi-Fi, but I was very data restricted while I was down there, and that's just because you know I wasn't using a local provider. I was uh, using roaming off of my main Pixel Six Pro, and I was eating data really fast because I didn't realize <laughs> some of my uh, media files were backing up over over uh, over data, and so I had to cut all that stuff off so I wouldn't hit my data caps, which I ended up doing anyways. So long story short, yeah, I was out of the country. I got to experiment with some of our different um, service providers that I've talked about on the podcast, both Invisive and Silent Link. Uh, if you are curious about those, just scroll back in the episode list and you'll see some episodes uh, specifically on on those services. And uh, yeah, I had a good time. It was uneventful. Uh, I had some great street tacos and um, I got some good work done. So I might be heading back down there sometime in the spring, uh, but for now I'm back in the U.S. and I will be here for a while. So uh, moving on, I, I kind of didn't really have like a big agenda for this podcast. I just kind of wanted to check in with everyone, see how you're doing. You could see how I'm doing and just kind of frame some a mental space for like where I'm at 
and how I'm looking at things regarding Twitter, regarding politics, uh, what foreign governments are doing with their politics, because oftentimes governments mimic each other. So I will touch on something that I found very interesting uh, regarding Turkey and disinformation laws. That um, was an article that came out on the Electronic Frontier Foundation yesterday. And so I'll just read a couple paragraphs of that because it's it's a bit dystopian and I'm not trying to fear monger, but it's just keeping a pulse on things is like really what I'm all about these days. So that's why this particular episode is titled Keeping a Pulse and Having a Plan. Um, but also it's cool and fun to be different. And what I mean by that is Around this time, coming the holidays in the United States specifically, but also Christmas, which most of the world does, you know, celebrate, we get together with family, we get together with friends, and we talk things like what we're doing in our life and sharing experiences. And oftentimes it leads to politics, religion, science, or whatever. And people get in fights and arguments and, you know, drink too much and have a good time. But, uh, you know, it's also a good opportunity to talk about things like, privacy security threat models not at a level where you're going to scare uh you know your your aunt away or something but you know with each other you know we communicate through our phones text messages email social media is using as an opportunity to say hey you know maybe it'd be fun if we were to talk using signal or session or something that makes sense um that everyone could kind of like maybe try it out. I know it's a, it's it seems kind of strange sometimes, but we all got to where we are, where we're communicating with people based upon what people have recommended to us to use. And I remember early on in the early days of Facebook, it wasn't open to everybody. You could only register with your um, .edu account. And then eventually they opened it up more. Google was a beta program. Uh, things start off small and then they scale up. And eventually, it just kind of becomes normal commonplace. Well, one of the things, like in, in Mexico, they all use WhatsApp. And I installed WhatsApp so I could communicate with the people I was, you know, uh, with last week. And they use that because it's, it's a cultural norm for them. It's actually unusual, very unusual, to send a text message to somebody, like a standard SMS text message. And most of, most of them use Android. Um, a lot of people down there have iPhones, but most of them use Android devices. So even people on iPhones use WhatsApp because that's what everyone else is using. The reason why is because a lot of their cell phone plans still rely on minutes packages, minutes and text message, like the number that you of, of messages and minutes you can use on your phone. But they all have like decent data, so they all use WhatsApp. And they all use, oftentimes we'll use the voice recording and send it to each other because they can pack a lot of information into a voice, a 20, 30, 40 second recording versus typing it all out. And yes, they're all also doing this while they're driving and they're talking into it like a speakerphone. Um, it's, again, an observation. <laughs> I was asking, like, why does everyone talk into their phone, like use the speakerphone? Why does no one hold the phone up to their ear? And they're like, well, because you're not really on the phone, you're talking into the mic and you're just sending the message and you can kind of read and you know I'm like okay that kind of kind of makes sense. So it got me thinking like well what kind of cultural norms do we have here in the United States? They're all over the place. I would say the primary one is iMessage, blue bubble, right? Um don't be the green bubbler. And that's you know kind of a uh, a joke, but it's true at the same time. And things like Signal or Session or Threema or there's other apps. I wouldn't you suggest 
Telegram necessarily, uh, but I guess you could use that or even WhatsApp, which appears to be an, an encrypted, just happens to be also owned by Facebook. <laughs> so I don't know if I'd want to rely on that. But my whole point is, uh, sometimes it's 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 a good opportunity to talk about your journey uh, with your friends and family, your kids, your uncles, your aunts, your grandparents, wh- whoever. Uh, who, and most people, everyone has a cell phone, and a lot of them use it like all the time, right? They're on the phone all the time. And so it got me thinking like, okay, um, I've actually fortunately been able to get most of my family switched over to Signal, which is kind of an easy thing to do for me. Um, now, I know it's challenging for others, but I know there's going to be conversations around other things like Twitter. And my hope is is that eventually decentralized options and applications become more commonplace over the next couple of years, especially with things like the Twitter drama. So saying like, hey, set up a Mastodon account and follow me might become more normal than it would have been a year or two ago. Uh, kind of like cryptocurrency. Maybe they're not actually own any cryptocurrency, but if you're talking about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, they kind of have an idea of what you're talking about. They understand. If you would said that five years ago, it really would be like, oh, I think I may have heard something about it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like the longer things are out, the more familiar people at least are on the surface level. Oftentimes it's it's they don't understand it really, but they kind of get the idea. It's not totally new to them. And that's why I kind of wanted I threw in the it's cool and fun to be different because it's I will, like I'll kind of paint a picture for you. I'm a lover of technology. I'm a gadget freak. I like shiny new gadget toys when they come out. Even the iPhone 14, even the Apple Ultra. I think they're cool. Like it's cool tech. Some of the stuff that they've packed in to these devices is really neat. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to run out and buy it. Uh, I don't. I've kind of chosen a path where I'm opting out of the company's ecosystems. But from a tech perspective, I think it's cool. I think it's fun. I think it's neat. But I also think it's neat and and fun to be different. So if I'm at a restaurant and three quarters of the people are in there on an iPhone and wearing an Apple Watch, I feel like man, everyone's the same. Uh, they're all doing the same thing. There's nothing really cool or fun about that. Um, whereas if I'm on a Graphene OS phone and I've got Samurai Wallet open, I'm connected to a Dojo server that's running on a Raspberry Pi at my house, and I've got my pictures backing up to Nextcloud and my contacts syncing with Nextcloud, which is my server, I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like I feel like I'm in a secret society, like a secret club that they don't even know about. Like for it's like it's like knowing what Bitcoin is in two thousand and nine, right? Uh, like you're on the inside track. Now, whether or not they'll ever do something like that, it's 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 kind of more about like, well, it's it's an alternative, and you wouldn't understand it. You know, it's kind of cool. Now, obviously, we want to share this with people, um, but I think it's kind of more cool and more fun to be the person in the room that's kind of doing things differently. And it doesn't mean you have to be a weirdo. It doesn't mean you have to be a freak or a nerd. And those things are okay. I, I embrace that stuff. But it, it just means that you kind of like, you're just looking at things 
from a different perspective. They're different lens. It's almost like if you've ever, if you're, if you do any photography or know anyone that does photography, you know, you can change your lenses out on a mirrorless camera or DSLR. And you can also do some like refracting or I don't know what it's called where you take the lens and you kind of tilt it. Like you literally unscrew it and you tilt it just a little bit. And you're like, you're taking a picture of the same thing, but it's just, you're, it's, it's from a different perspective, a different angle. And it just looks different to you. Uh, than it would otherwise. And I think that's kind of like how I look at technology and the things that we talk about and share ideas about and, and the Matrix channel and, and what I talk about on the podcast and when I have people on and we discuss things. It's like we're all in the same world. We're living with the same people, the same rules, the same laws, the same surveillance. But we're looking at things a little differently. Like, yeah, okay, maybe we can't be completely invisible and completely anonymous, but we can be kind of like wearing a hoodie and sunglasses. So we're still present. We're just obscured. And I know that sounds really artsy and like kind of cheesy, but that's how I feel when I'm using my my devices and my setup when well, I'm using my Linux laptop at a coffee shop and I'm doing, you know, I mean, I, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's fun and cool to be different. And I just really want, I really want you to be able to embrace that. And cause it's sometimes easy to fall into the FOMO like, Oh, I wish I had that new iPhone. It's cool, but I've given up on Apple or that new Samsung S 22 ultra or the new M2 MacBook Pro and I'm here on a ThinkPad running, you know, Manjaro Linux and it's kind of nerdy. It's, but it's like, yeah, but that's cool. Like embrace that. Cause they don't even understand that any, any five-year-old can pick up an iOS device and start using it. It doesn't mean that you have to be like elitist or smart, like smart ass about it. It just means that it takes work to do what you're doing when you're using password managers, when you're using two-factor authentication, when you're being very specific about what browsers you're using and what email aliases you're using to sign up new services and you're you're obfuscating yourself, right? You're blurring yourself a little bit. And it can be fun. It's kind of a catch me if you can mentality. And it's not to like show off or rub it in. It's just embrace it because it it's what kind of sets us apart from the herd. And I don't mean saying the herd as in like a bah sheep, you know, and everything, but I kind of am at the same time, tongue in cheek, because people get sold by the marketing. And what we're trying to do is deconstruct the marketing and what they're telling you you get and what's actually happening when you become the product because your data your habits your hobbies this is actually what the new commodity is what's being traded out there it's not so much necessarily uh your you know who you are but what you do what interests you have who your social graph is who you interact with and what do what hobbies and interests do they have that cross with yours? And how can we exploit that to sell you crap and make you feel bad if you don't have it, like the new iPhone 14? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just something that's like I struggle with personally, just kind of sharing openly with you is like, man, oh, this workflow is kind of difficult. If I was using an iPhone and an Apple Watch and a, and a Mac, it would not be as difficult. Like for instance... I had some files 
uh, on two different phones, and I needed to get them to somebody else. We were on an airplane. We didn't have Wi-Fi because we were on the ground. And so I was able to airdrop certain files from my iPhone to this individual. But then I had other files that were on my Pixel device running Graphene OS that I could not send. Bummer, dude, right? It's kind of like, ah, boom, 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 boom. And so I kind of felt like a little less cool in that moment. Like I was like, man, I feel like, man, I feel like I should, you know, be able to do that. And then I also realized, though, like what the trade-offs, though, are sometimes. I was like, well, what I can do is these are backed up to my next cloud. I can throw them into a public folder and then send them a link and they can just download them later. So it's still a workaround. Is it as quick and fast and easy as airdropping? No. Um, but I feel like if I give you a real world example of exactly what I mean, that it kind of sets in a little bit and you're like, ah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But, um, the, you know, the, 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 the trade-offs with those convenience come at a cost of giving up more data, giving up more information about myself, allowing that company to scan every photo that I upload and all that kind of stuff and catalog it and retain it. I, and I just, I don't really, I don't want to participate in that as much as I can, right? So my work device stays my work device. My personal devices stay my personal device. And I don't cross, they don't cross swords, so to speak. <laughs> that's a, that's a funny joke if you get it. Um, and all that to say is, is that I get it. And I, I, and I feel the struggle sometimes when you're like trying to leave a particular ecosystem, whether it's Google or Apple or something else, um, especially if, you know, it crosses with work stuff. That's my biggest struggle is a lot of things I do in my professional life kind of rely on me having the ability to, to interact with people in an ecosystem that, that, uh, is conducive to getting the project done. Um, and then in my personal life, I kind of do things the way I want to, the way I want to do it. And if they want to do, if anyone wants to interact with that, I can find a workaround. I can, I can adapt, but it won't be a slick, you know, Anyways, I feel like I'm just kind of rambling, um, but I, I just I kind of feel like sometimes just sharing those feelings because uh, I feel sometimes like like oh man maybe I'll just not care as much and go back to an iOS device full time as my main phone and use an Apple Watch because they're cool and I can track neat stuff and it's like I'm not saying I'm doing that it's just I can fall into that and I hate it. I hate it because I'm just being sold to on the marketing, right? And it doesn't mean that there isn't cool tech behind it. It just means that there's there's more than meets the eye. Uh, there's more than what you see in front of you. So I kind of wanted to highlight the Twitter stuff, what's going on, and talk about um, Mastodon and how we can kind of do things without relying on centralized platforms that are for profit that may or may not shadow ban may or may not ban people may not you know i don't really want to get caught up in the actual air quote politics of like oh they shadow ban these guys because they're ultra conservative or these guys because you know when i say guys i mean people you know generalizing here um groups of people for their belief or what they think and i don't you know i don't really know if that happens i don't have any inside connections at Twitter or anything like that. But I kind of believe that on some level, some of this happens and it's just something that is just human nature. If people are in control of things, then they will have some biases one way or another. 
and they will try to manipulate, you know, what happens. Uh, I, I feel like that's, why wouldn't that happen? Um, but where I really start to get concerned is not so much when private companies, uh, well, I mean, they're technically a public company, but when corporations are making the rules for their platform, which we can sign up for or not, or use or not, um, though some people might argue it's a utility or a platform for communication from government officials and things, which it is. So we shouldn't limit access to people to get in there. Like one of the things that irritates me about Twitter is you can't even like go to Twitter and just do like search.twitter.com. It like wants you to sign up an account. Well, if I just want to read the latest tweets from their president of the United States, I, I, I feel like I should just be able to do that. Um, so I feel like there's this kind of pay to play situation where it's like, yeah, okay. You know, the government's like, yeah, we'll, we'll use your platform for, you know, and senators and representative state, you know, district representatives will, will use that as like their main official announcement feed, but you don't get to see that unless you're, you're also signing up for service. And I like, you know, I don't know. I've got some issues with that, but um, I just wanted to touch on this yesterday. Uh, an article came out called Turkey's Turkey, as in the country Turkey. Turkey's new disinformation, not to be confused with Thanksgiving, <laughs> but Turkey's new disinformation law spells trouble for free expression. And uh, I'll have a link to this in the show notes. Uh, but Turkey's government recently passed a new law aimed at curbing disinformation that citizens have dubbed the, quote, censorship law, according to reports. It has a link to the reports uh, resources. The new law was met with condemnation from both inside the country and abroad. Troublingly, the vaguely worded law passed by Parliament on October 13th prescribes three years imprisonment imprisonment for anyone who publishes false information, quote, with the intent to instigate fear or panic or endanger the country's security, public order, and general health of society. Which is like, what is that? What is general order? And who defines what general order is? And what is the general health of society? What metric do we use to measure health? Um, He goes on, this is the latest law in one of many attempts by the country to restrict its citizens' internet usage, dubbed an enemy of the internet by reporters without borders several times. Turkey's government censors thousands of websites and frequently shows up on social media companies' transparency reports for demanding content removals. The country is also among the world's top jailers of journalists, which I did not know that until I read this article. That is scary, and it has a link to another resource at cpi.org where you can read that report about all of the journalists that have been in prison um, Turkey, China, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, it says in 2020, at a time when the internet was more vital than ever for citizens of the world over, Turkey passed a cop referring to like we were relying on it because of the pandemic, right? So all of us were on lockdown. A lot of people were on lockdown. So relying on the internet more than ever is what they're saying. And it says, uh, Turkey passed a copycat law reminiscent of Germany's net DG that required large social media companies to appoint a local representative and take down offending content within 48 hours. What is offending? I'm not really sure. Uh, The law introduced new powers for courts to order internet providers to throttle social media platforms bandwidth by up to 90%, which means they're also throttling their revenue if they're dependent on ads, impressions uh, to get paid. 
And it says, which would effectively block access to the sites in the country. Sure, you squeeze off uh, 90% of bandwidth to a social media platform company, no one's going to be able to access the platform. And the few people that are on there is going to be terribly slow for. Uh, so that's kind of like crazy that they can do that. It says, now the disinformation law, which comes just eight months before Turkey's next major elections, would require companies to remove disinformation within a four-hour time limit. A platform's obligation to remove content could be triggered by a court order or Turkey's Information and Communication Technologies Authority, labeled ICTA. Companies that fail to remove content within the time frame could face throttling, as with the 2020 law, which is that copycat law. It also requires companies to report certain information to the ICTA at the agency's request, including information about algorithms related to topical hashtags, promoted and demoted content, advertisement policies, and transparency policies. Wow. So basically all their intellectual property. Uh, They can just request it anytime they want. And the agency is this person, this 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 non-elected person uh, who gets to just request it. So, wow, that's that's real comforting. Companies, companies also face hefty fines if they algorithmically amplify disinformation, which, of course, is defined by this person or this group, what disinformation is. And this would require them to make certain content less accessible, for instance, through demotion. It also requires companies to hand over information about certain crimes, which probably some of us would agree with, including child sexual abuse imagery like CSAM, uh, disinformation, and state secrets as soon as possible or face throttling. So they're using this throttling. Like, if you don't comply, we will throttle the crap out of you until you're, you know, basically no one can access your site. So if you're a social media company, you have to abide by this law. If you're in Turkey, if you're conducting business in Turkey, you have to basically allow them to determine what's disinformation and also, you know, shut down tweets or turn or whatever it is. I'm just saying tweets could be anything. Delete the information or face penalties of throttling. And people, the individuals, who are deemed sharing disinformation could serve like legitimate jail time. Insane, insane. Um, A new provision which criminalizes the, the dissemination of false or misleading information is even more concerning. The imprisonment of people for sharing content. What does that mean? Like retweeting a, a meme? Uh, a what? What is? Wow. Okay. Uh, it says which could also affect journalists, activists, and platform op- operators. So people who are running the the platform, the the website, could also be be lumped into this. Um, offering journalistic information is unacceptable. This is by adopting the most drastic instead of the least restrictive measure to curb disinformation. The new bill clearly falls short of international human rights standards and will inevitably lead to far-reaching censorship, which yes, I agree with. Now, we're not quite we're not quite there, but I feel like we could be leaning that direction uh in the United States when policy from our legislators uh, proposed wants to peel back 
layers of encryption, wants backdoor access to platforms. Like it just came out. I don't know. I don't know if it just came out. It came out where I saw it like a week or two ago. Confirmation on uh, the portal that I'm not sure who it was. Was it the FBI or the CIA has access to for uh, all of Facebook content and data? Uh, it's like. Well, I kind of assumed that that was probably the case. We've known since you know the, the Snowden leaks that they have like ways of searching metadata and X key score queries and things for that. But it seems like you know in the last almost ten years since that happened, uh, they've actually made some advancements and improvements to three-letter agencies accessing all of this information on all these social media sites. So keep that in mind too. If you run a, a Mastodon instance, you can tell those people to uh, pound pound sand if they come, you know, or, or shut it down. Like, now I'm not going to give you access to my server. But uh, anyways, I just, you know, I don't want to get political, but a lot of our freedoms and, and, and protections around privacy and security are directly related to elected officials or appointed officials putting mandates out there or creating laws that not only suppress speech and honest, open interaction with each other, but also uh, squeezes the companies, their revenue, and is pushing like jail on sharing disinformation, which is who is the arbiter of what is disinformation? Well, in this case, it seems like it's the government. And that is a really scary precedent to have um, in any country. But... It's it's why I I, I, I kind of come back to what I put a title on this, keeping a pulse and having a plan. And also it's cool to be fun and different because we put a lighter side onto this podcast. Not everything's totally dystopian, but having keeping a pulse and having a plan. So understanding you know what's happening in the world, how it's impacting other people and other and, and other countries. Uh, you know, even the UK can seem quite dystopian with a lot of their surveillance and their laws, especially the, the closer we get to more of like a China-based system with social scoring. Uh, this is happening at corporation levels already uh, that, you know, BlackRock is instituted back in 2017 with ESG, the Environmental Social Governance Scoring. And I know some people out there are like, well, no, but some of that's good. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with whether or not it's good or bad. I personally think it's not good because what it does is it, it's an agenda set forth by a larger comp- corporation in the case of ESG is BlackRock and companies are conforming to it and they're actually failing. Uh, if you don't believe me, go, go, go look at Netflix. <laughs> Netflix's stock from the time they implemented ESG, which BlackRock is one of their largest investors. Uh, and it just started falling off a cliff, I think to the tune of like 70, 70, 73% or something like that. Um, I'm not trying to be anti-environmental governance or social governance necessarily. I'm just trying to say that when you, when you put these rules in the top and force it down on people, uh, it doesn't generally result in positive uh, outcomes. So, especially in this case, where these who who's really at stake here? People doing real work, activists, journalists, people who are doing investigative reporting. Uh, so, if you share something that's bad for the citizens, are, is that going to be labeled as a state secret, and therefore you can be jailed? Wow! Like you know, that's that's quite dystopian. So I'm not 
trying to fear monger. Uh, again, I, I'm I'm staying aware. Uh, read legislation, pay attention to bills, especially that, and, and this comes from both sides of the aisle. This is not a partisan issue. This is a this is a political control issue where um, I am trying to be very aware of what's happening in the world, what is what's being proposed, uh, who's saying what, and what is our plan uh, for responding to this. And in some cases, it might be do nothing, and in some cases, it might be well. I'm going to start reeling back and owning my own data. I'm going to be aware of who I'm giving my data to. I'm going to give more false data because I don't have to give real information, right? I've mentioned this early on uh, in earlier episodes. Uh, don't give out real information. There's no law that says you have to give the grocery store your real name and phone number and address to get the coupons to save, you know, on the discounted items, Uh <laughs> really, I mean, unless you're interacting with law enforcement or your bank, and in some cases, even that's questionable. Don't give anyone your real name and number and phone number. Uh, give them pseudonyms. Give them pseudonames, pseudo phone numbers, and that kind of thing. Screw them. Because, you know, what's, what's happening is this information gets collected and centralized and mined and, and shared and sold. But I also, also ultimately think that in the case with, like, Twitter – it might be leaning more towards let's verify you. We want to know that you really are who you say you are. I know you like being cool sitting in the restaurant when everyone else is definitely logged into their Apple phone, KYC'd because they have payment stuff tied to their phone and you're sitting there with a de-Googled Graphene OS device uh, on your Linux laptop with a hoodie on trying to be incognito, but we need to know who you are. All right. Now, I'm not saying that's where we're at, but I don't, I don't want to see us get to that point, and if we do get closer and closer to that, that 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 moment, you know, what is our plan uh, to be able to communicate freely, to be able to journal what's happening in the world without fear of being uh, fined or our businesses attacked and uh, you know possibly jailed? Um, if it's happening in the world, it could happen anywhere, right? If it and, and so again, not trying to you know scare anybody. That's not that's not what I'm trying to do. It's more about just trying to be aware, share information, and help people out. So when you're gathering around <laughs> that Thanksgiving meal, you don't sound like a total lunatic, but at the same time, maybe you can plant some seeds and water those seeds over time. I've been doing this kind of stuff for the last few years now, really about 2017 is kind of when I really started showing an interest in like crypto and how it pertains to KYC and all, you know, I started mining back then. I was doing a lot of stuff and I was trying to be more aware about my own personal security. Number one, like passwords and, and uh, seed phrases and stuff like that. But then, you know, kind of started leading more and more into like kind of privacy focused uh, lifestyle as well. So, you know, don't go crazy when you're talking to your your family and, and friends at Thanksgiving, but maybe just start like leaking some stuff out. Like, hey, um, do you use the same three passwords for all your logins? Oh, yeah, yeah, because I can't remember them. Yeah, well, maybe you should use a password manager uh, because, you know, data breaches happen all the time. And those 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 databases end up out on on uh, hacker forums and the dark net and get sold. And if you have the same three passwords and you use the same two email addresses all over the internet, as if 
good likelihood that you could become uh, a victim of, of personal uh, identity fraud or something like that. Oh, really? Is that how that happens? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could help you set it up. We could download Bitwarden right now, or, and uh, I could show you how it works and you know, change a few passwords and start, start being more, more secure. Um, simple as that. Or, you know, I know you're on Android and they're on iPhone, but if we all were on Signal... Not only would we have end-to-end encrypted communications with each other, we could also interact with our messages using the same emojis. We could uh, put the same animated GIFs in there. And and when we take all those family photos, we could share them in Signal, and it won't compress the file like it does if you send uh, a photo from Android to iPhone or iPhone to Android, and it looks all small and you can't barely see it yeah you know we can get past that let's just use signal it also you know be great for the family we could you could download it on your computer and you could talk just like you would on iMessage on a mac oh really that's cool i mean i know i'm kind of sounding like an idiot here but this is kind of like how these conversations could 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 start and that's where that's where it happens the most important conversations are the ones that generally you have all the time which are your friends and your family so um you start there and then and then we go full crazy on them and get them to set up, you know, Nextcloud servers and Bitcoin nodes, and then we get them, you know, on uh, our Mastodon instance. Uh, maybe not, maybe not, but you know, you you got to find a starting place with people. And I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are are all over the spectrum from kind of beginning, and I just do a few things, and I'm trying to be more cognizant of what I'm doing online and how I do it, whether it's purchases or setting up uh, email accounts. Uh, just in the Matrix chat tonight. Uh, there was a very good thread conversation going on, I believe in the off-topic channel, uh, about compartmentalization. And do you use one email address for just your finance, f- financial accounts, your bank accounts, and maybe medical stuff, and then a secondary account like you know, for all of the subscription stuff? Uh, so like an elevated account that you only have for your bank, do you use a different one for like your Hulu or Netflix and your, you know, other stuff? Um, this is a great way to start those conversations. It's just basic, like, oh, maybe you could compartmentalize, have one email account for this and the other account that you only use for these 10 things and that's it. Um, and that way, if there's a breach, then you know they're not likely going to get into your bank account because you don't you have a separate email account that you use for those things and your investment accounts your 401k all that kind of thing um very very good conversations that happen uh i'm really thankful for the people that are in the in the matrix chat sharing ideas with each other uh and myself i've learned a lot um we talk about all different cool things to try out so if you download element.io set up an account then go to closednetwork.io, click on Join Our Matrix Server, and it will bring you right in. Uh, you can ask somebody for the off-topic channel. I need to add that to the website. It's been on my to-do list, and I've been a slacker, so I apologize. But I will get that added up there as well. Uh, anyways, thank you for listening to my rambling brain dump of craziness uh, for this episode 21. I'm looking forward to Thursday. If all goes well, we're going to have a guest on. I always enjoy having another personality on because personally, I can only take so much of my own voice. And uh, it's nice to uh, switch things up. I'm also trying to get someone uh, from NT on as well. So look out for that possibly in the next couple of weeks. And um, if you want to support the podcast and the project in any way, uh, you can check out the different ways by heading to closednetwork.io 
and just click on the support tab. So you can uh, uh, join our uh, Patreon, which I'm going to be doing content for that starting in December. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to like cut anybody out, but I thought it might be fun to do some stuff specifically for Patreon supporters as we move closer to that. Um, and I will have more information to share on that as, as I get closer to, to doing that. Um, but in the meantime, everyone has pretty much access to everything. Uh, so yeah, you can click on the support. You can share it with friends or family. Uh, maybe there's some good episodes to start off with earlier episodes. We can ex- accept crypto donations. You can buy me a coffee on the website, which is basically just a way of saying, thank you. Love the work you're doing. Keep doing it. Uh, I, I want to thank the people that do donate uh, Bitcoin Satoshis to me through Podcast 2.0 apps. I'm actually going to link some of those apps on the website as well. So if everything I'm telling you doesn't make any sense at all, just remember closednetwork.io. That's our website. That's where you can listen to the podcast, find all the subscription feeds, and you can support. You can join the Matrix channel. Um, I will add the off-topic channel. And once the Mastodon server is live, that will be up there as well. Uh, so you can pretty much find everything there. You can follow me on Twitter, even though I'm not posting all that often, but I am, uh, cruising, cruising Twitter. I'm cruising. I'm not participating. (laughs) I participate. I just, I don't talk a whole lot. Uh, so gosh, I feel like that's a, a, a mouthful and probably an earful for you. So thanks for listening. Thank you for the support. Uh, look forward to catching you in episode 22, uh, here in the next few days. And in, in the meantime, Share those uh, share those favorite Thanksgiving recipes if you're in the United States. And if you're not, share your favorite cocktail recipe. Someone tell me what your favorite cocktail is, and I will make it on the podcast. Until next time, I'll catch you all later. They can never keep me down, I'm going And if I ever fail to snow, I'll go again I never quit, because I know that every loss May lead to another win, I'm going up I bet when I land, they gon' tell me it's luck again. See that I'm winning, it's harder to watch. I'm setting the stage, you should give me my prize. You ain't got a soul, you let